let me preface this review roast afterthoughts piece with this was gonna be the usual spoiler free review but damn that it's october and it's only right since it's allegedly the last one and the beat that this movie does not deserve of course was created by executive music producer brown tiger and it's literally the best thing about this movie no relation halloween ends available in theaters and Peacock for streaming. Now, any modern requel, shouts out to Scream 2022, or rehashing of classic horror that we grew up with is going to be consumed with a skeptical eye. Remember what I always say, keep your expectations low and you won't be disappointed. Sometimes I step away from it conceptually, but you can't help but have nostalgia. And we're just going to get right into it. The opening was wow. But before that, I have to give props to the title sequence designers and cinematographers. Visuals, I know I have to mention it, but it was really well done and paid homage to the worst Halloween part three season of The Witch with the blue text and the sequence of jack-o'-lanterns. Yeah, I said it. For whatever reason, people love that one, but it's a no for me. There were a lot of other tributes sprinkled throughout, like characters watching The Thing, an ode to John Carpenter, of course. Kids wearing the three masks from Season of the Witch, the skeleton, the witch, and Pumpkinhead. Lori's outfit in the final moments, the blue button-up shirt with the blue jeans, similar to her outfit in Halloween 78, and a ton of shots from the original Halloween 78. So they did a good job in that aspect. I won't ding them for that. This was the best opening sequence I've seen in a while, but it all went downhill from there. This scene specifically, I won't spoil because it's not expected. The tension and suspense was great in this moment. I laughed, but I clearly laugh at everything. <laughs> but it was a surprise to say the least. So if anything, I, I will leave that as a surprise. Spoiler alert, everyone dies. No, they don't. But that's your warning if you haven't watched it and want to tap out until you do. Why do people hit smoke detectors with a broom, a mop, whatever they have in hand, violently to stop them from beeping? Like, this is a highly seen on TV trope, but why? To visually show our frustration that we're feeling at the same time watching them damage home safety? Little things like that annoy me. I'm sorry. That's not a highlight of this movie, but... Let this be a reminder to check your smoke detector batteries if they are beeping. Lori Strode was on her national lampoons throughout the movie. She's tired. We get it. Rightfully so. But encouraging a kid to slash some tires? Ma'am, what is happening? It was funny, but I will admit I did go in thinking this was her closure and love letter to the franchise. And we do get that a bit since she's concurrently writing her story and it's delivered via monologue that kind of gets lost later in the film. I mean, this is a believable element as people do tend to author their accounts of trauma into books, but yeah. Now the town blaming her bit was excessively corny. Who was running up on somebody after grocery shopping? Let alone in this town. We get a glimpse of Sandra, the woman who survived, despite 
you know, getting stabbed in the neck with a fluorescent tube bulb in Halloween Kills. I'm always here for black survival in horror films, but to make Lori the town outcast and essentially blame her for what Michael Myers is doing is a bit much. Like, if y'all don't go somewhere, and her surviving that, that's... mm, That was probably one of the more brutal kills on kills. What was with the kids in this movie? And when I say kids, I mean teenagers, so I'll just be using that interchangeably. But they had this weird 70s, 80s edge, I guess. Band geeks with attitude, if you want to say that in a modern way. Yeah, no. This group of teens, they just felt unbelievable. Like, I was in a 90s movie from the film grain that was applied in certain scenes. Mind you, we're supposed to be in 2019, and it truly felt like a period piece, and not in a good way. It just felt very old-timey. And I'm not sure if that's because of the small-town vibes that Haddonfield gives off, but this is present day. Haddonfield clearly is stuck in an era and is not giving it up. The biggest example of this was the radio station. Who's listening to the radio anymore? If it's not news, traffic, and weather, especially young adults, that whole part just seemed forced and extra like the rest of the movie. But follow me here. I feel like they could have implemented a little hometown podcast or something. Kind of like in the game, The Quarry, Bizarre Bonafide podcast, how they integrated into the story, but it didn't get in the way and even gave you bonus content depending on like you know what choices you made that's just my thoughts the radio i mean of course i get it but what teenager is just like yeah turn the radio on okay old man michael myers gave Corey the juice i'm gonna refer to Corey as the pro antagonist because he does too much Michael is, what, in his 60s at this point? Looking like a Ninja Turtle in his Pennywise Stranger Things sewer lair? The shape holding up in a sewer in his own town? Nah. At best, he would have been in his childhood home. But I guess we're going to play in the sewers for now. Corey serves as Michael's butler, or apprentice, if you will. Now this old man is teaching the next generation through staring at Corey and infecting him with evil. And this transaction also came with laser vision correction. He never replaced his glasses that got smushed. If he needed them, I guess, in the first place, he was saving his money for his chocolate milk budget. Michael getting his health re-upped from kills was just goofy. And, huh? What part of the game was this ever a thing he just returned on halloween nights that's it yes there were some spiritual elements and evil doings in later films but michael harlem shaking like tyrone biggums was interesting to see aside from Corey coming out of nowhere he is a resident so i guess that is his relation to the story i refuse to believe that laurie strode's granddaughter is that flighty, naive, and desperate. Ain't no way. For them to tie in this, I'm in love with the killer storyline, it just felt made for TV. 
The possibilities were endless at this point. I know this was filmed during COVID and there were some stoppages along filming and stuff, but that didn't have much to do with the story, so I'm not even going to use that as an excuse. This whole trauma bond of a relationship, it just missed the mark for me. Allison came off as OD-type thirsty. We're supposed to believe that this awkward whirlwind romance took place in, what, a weekend? (laughs) The fact that this specific set of Halloween movies is allegedly canon and they could have done anything is wild to me, but yet they kept running the flashbacks throughout the film. I get it. You're showing the progression of Lori, and that is fair, but what is happening? As I mentioned, it was nice seeing them actually redo some shots and modernize them in a way, but they really could have done anything with this one. I feel like Kills... I feel like... I know Kills was better than this one, obviously, in comparison, if I'm just doing these last three films specifically. The first one, honestly, was the best out of the three, but was ends even needed? I say Corey was pointless, to be honest. There was no direct connection to Michael. Maybe they didn't want it wrapped up in a bow like this, but Allison would have been a better angle as a woman killer to shake things up a bit and bring that grief and shame to Lori's front door. That's just my idea, but what do I know? I'm assuming they wanted this young love, Romeo and Juliet idea to reel in younger viewers or those not familiar with the franchise. I don't mind Lori and retired deputy Frank Hawkins much. Again, one of the redeeming features of requels is seeing a lot of the OG cast members make an appearance. But Allison and Corey's love story was just moody, angsty, and boring. Also, Corey has some nerve getting into a tussle with Michael over his mask. That part was a hard no. We all know how possessive, no pun intended, Michael is for a face covering let alone his Shatner mask. He should have snapped Corey in two in that moment. The way he just gave up was so unbelievable. Like, I was expecting for him to throw a knife, something, anything to happen at Corey when he was walking back through the tunnel after he grabbed his mask from him. It's truly hard to believe that Corey bullied Michael Myers successfully. Like, yeah. The Haddonfield citizens are willfully ignorant, yet will band together to riot at the hospital. Or in this case, witness the public execution of Michael, who was strapped to a Ford Escort. (laughs) This was just silly and low-key disrespectful of all ways to go out or kill the killer. This concept is something you just randomly came up with on a fly. The way they crowd surfed his body into the grinder was just laughable. I would have loved if we got an Undertaker rise one last time when Lori was struggling to drag his body into the teeth of the grinder. And why didn't anybody help her? She was like literally about to break her back, dragging his heavy self. (laughs) I know symbolism like, oh yeah, she's doing it guys, but she was having a time. Side note, what was with the accents? They were putting on way too much and very exaggerated. It felt like we teleported to Haddonfield, New Jersey at one point. I was just like, this is strange. And even the language and lingo they were using was very dated. It wasn't of this time. 
I'll say. It was just extra. Corey's mom's accent was... Yikes. But anyway. The thing that made Halloween so great was the simplicity. And you can say that for a lot of horror films. When different elements are thrown in to develop highly temporary characters and cyclical storylines, it loses its essence. I really want to have a general horror movie discussion. I have to figure out the right group for that because, man, this genre has been on a struggle for a minute. Where is the originality in lasting villains? Let me get back on track because I'll go off on another tangent. Laurie kept his mask, which I thought of during that whole kitchen fight scene. And it's just laying on her coffee table in her office like a trophy. She's looked into Michael's eyes a billion times at this point, but I highly doubt she'll become a killer. This wasn't the worst Halloween movie and definitely not the best. I'm giving this a one out of five. <laughs> Gorn effects, I, I will give a solid four out of five. That element, I feel, is a hit or miss, especially in modern movies. When a lot of stories, for lack of better epithet, don't push the knife. You'll get a lot of off-screen killing or implied kills, stretched out dramatizations of kills or characters that miraculously come back and it goes on. The kills were literally the best part of the movie. Michael was by no means the star of the show. He makes his first appearance almost, what, 30 minutes in? For a villain we're used to seeing, surviving despite drastic attempts to get rid of the shape, it was pretty disheartening to see him broke down like he lost his job or something. This man only had three kills. How are you a feature in your own movie? He was asleep for a majority of the movie. All that to say, I would recommend streaming it if you do plan to watch it. Not a must-see for me unless you are interested in tepid closure. Other than that, it's Halloween. If you want to laugh, check it out, or just stick with the 2018 Halloween that opened this trilogy and call it a day. And remember, kids, there will be no grave, no memorial. The memory of him will fade until Laurie Strode's book drops. <laughs> I'm interested in your thoughts and observations. As always, tap into the Spotify discussion and Q&A sections on the app or via social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, or verbalvibemode.com. You can also leave us a voice message using Anchor. All important links are in the description box. See you next week. They really had Michael under the bridge like a troll.